Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to this special edition of the American Rugby Show. We are joined by an absolute celebrity in rugby terms and in mainstream sports. We have none other than three-time Super Bowl winner, 2016 Rugby Olympian, the one, the only. It's probably the best time I can use that statement because I use it a lot on this podcast. Nate Ebner. Nate, it is an absolute pleasure to be joined by you. Thanks for having me, man. That was a great intro. I, I hope you appreciated that. I spent a lot of time preparing it. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I heard you earlier. So. <laughs> so it's the actual first time that we've done an in-person podcast. And mm-hmm. I'm absolutely buzzing about it, but I'm also nervous as well. It's beautiful, bro. You did a great job. Let's... You know, something that a gilly can usually calm the nerves. Yeah, for sure. I'll join you there. For sure. Yeah. Cheers. Welcome to the American Rugby Show studio. <laughs> we didn't even mention we're joined yeah, by fine. I'm here an too. absolute another superstar of the, the sport. One, the only. Abby, welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Pleasure to be here as well. If Corpse gets to be too much at any point, like eye contact, yeah, we'll we'll cut him out. Him. Exactly. Cool, cool, cool. You get it. Probably the biggest reason why you're here, other than you love us and you want to talk to us, that's, is that's that, a big reason that you have just come out with a book. That's right. And that book is called Finish Strong. Yep. A father's code and a son's path. Oh, it's here. We have it actually in the studio. <laughs> that love how you checked it. Yep. Finish Strong, a father's code and a son's path. I'm really happy with the um, final product of it and. Um, it was a struggle, you know, to get there. It was a big project. To sum it up, Urban Meyer kind of came to me after my Super Bowl year and the Olympic year and was like, you need to, you need to write a book. And I was like, okay, you know, that's funny. But, you know, it was a little more, you know, people had said that, but it was a little more serious coming from him. And then the following season, 2017, I tore my ACL in November and I had a long recovery ahead and I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to take him up on that. It was quite a process, but again, like I said, I'm, I'm very happy with it. You know, some people want to make it a sports book. Um, for me, it's a really, I was really stern about making a book about, you know, my dad and the, and the love he had for me and um, turning that into as much rugby as I could. Um, but the, uh, the sports, the football, the NFL, the Ohio State Buckeyes, it's a vehicle for that, for that whole story. So um, I'm happy with it. That's amazing. What audience is the book really catered to you mentioned rugby a little bit football who are you hoping gets their hands on this book and what are they going to get out of it um i think it's a lot broader of an audience than people probably would assume you look at the cover you see a bunch of sports i think people initially think sports and to me it's not really as much of a sports book um you know i think it's a life story it's it's a love story between a father and a son um I think that's the most important part of it all to me. So I would definitely say, you know, parents should should pick it up because I thought he did, you know, he's the gold standard for how parents should should treat their children. And um, so there's that. There's obviously football in it. You know, we talk football. We talk Patriots. We talk Ohio State. I mean, those are, are big organizations. And if you want to hear some inside stuff on that and you're a football fan, I think uh, it, it would cater to you. I think, you know, we talk a ton about rugby. Like I've said in, in a in a tweet if, you, if you're a rugby fan and you read books like this is a book for you I, f- I feel that way anyways and um ultimately i'd say the broadest audience would be you know ones who want to be inspired you know i feel like it's a pretty inspiring story um through a bunch of 
you know, journeys within the whole thing. And, uh, you know, hopefully from my end, it, it can help people and um, they take something from it that can better their own lives. And uh, yeah, but ultimately a, a, a big audience in, in my opinion. So I thought it was a great book. I love to read and I'm a rugby player, obviously. So nice. I completely agree. And really inspiring story. I know Alex got a little emotional reading it and hearing the story and the love your father showed. And you talk a lot about the time that your dad put into you and growing mm -hmm. up. Tell us a little bit how that has molded you and the time your father spent with you. Has that led to the time that you've devoted further to football and to rugby and the work ethic that you've shown to make these teams and to yeah. become the athlete you are? I definitely think the time that he put towards me showed me what like real love is about. I think whether that be a relationship you have with, you know, a significant other or your children or your a family member, I think you really can see where someone's, where their heart really is through their actions. He was that to me. I think that made me want to be the type of person that didn't want to talk a lot about what I'm going to do, uh, just kind of do it and um, let my actions speak for myself. And I think that's kind of something that translated over, especially into sports. Um, but yeah, I mean, the relationship, we, we get into that into the book about, you know, him teaching me the proper work ethic and, and how to do things right and all those things. And I think that also carried over. But as far as the time he spent with me, it really just was taught me like how you love someone and how you, uh, you know, what you're really about is, is your actions. And that's the bottom line. So th those were the biggest things I took from it. Uh, I found it really powerful. I, I think what, one thing that I think a lot of people who know Nate Ebner or know his story, you know, they think this football guy that played some rugby when he was younger maybe and then came back to do the Olympics but when you actually read the book and you see the connection that you and your father built from a young age and how that was centralized around rugby is such a common theme in it and the fact that he played such a major role in sort of shaping you in in, in the way he was so hands-on and, and and could be tough at times but in it set parameters. I just found it so powerful that, that rugby is such a key part of your life and your father and that story entwined from such a young age. Rugby's been in my life the entire time. I, I mean, you know, I, I actually reference in the book, I say something along the lines of like, you know, football was something that pulled at me, but like rugby always had my heart. And it did. I mean, I was like, I, I talk about being in like a, a cradle or whatever the thing is that you hold a baby in uh, on the sidelines of, uh, of my dad's rugby games, you know? So, I mean, it was just something always, uh, you know, in my life. Um, so yeah, that, that's been me through, through, through and through like hundred percent rugby player. So, um, with that being said though, it, you know, for, for him and I, the relationship, it was like, he taught me about rugby. He introduced it to me. He, he obviously showed me what he loved about it, which was, you know, hitting people. You know, obviously for me to be his son, I had to hit people as well. But I, I think I had my own love for the game that was very different. You know, I had a perspective that was very different than his. You know, he got into rugby as a, as a college guy and he just wanted to hit people, get in fights, whatever it was. And, you know, I liked the violence of the game, but I also learned it from older players, um, some, some foreigners that were very good at, at rugby and I saw this whole different game that was a beautiful game to me when it was played properly. And that was kind of my love for rugby, whereas his was the violence. But I think we, we shared rugby. And then by the time I had my own love for it, um, he had his love for it. You know, I, I was starting to gravitate towards it because I was good at it. You know, we just shared it. And that was pretty cool. Um, we did a lot of stuff together, but that was something that we'd go to rugby practice and, you know, he'd 
go do his thing. I'd go do my thing. We'd play against each other. We'd be on the same team. Like, it was almost like we weren't even like father-son. We were just two guys out there playing rugby because we both love it for our own reasons, and that was pretty cool. It felt like you were you know, almost like best friends, and you had this mm -hmm. complete best friend bind, a bind yeah. that, that shared rugby and at the same time loved it for a different reason, but it was such a part of your two's connected tissue that it just mm – -hmm. It just seems like you know so powerful the story, and then when you look at just from the outside in, you see this guy who's playing football and 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 you know winning Super Bowls and riding high, but actually turn to try and go to the Olympics and come back to rugby. It mm -hmm. really takes like reading the book and entailing that to really understand like what was going through your head and, and the drivers behind it, which I found so fascinating. Yeah, I mean. I don't have a lot to add to that. You're right. I mean, it's like I, I'm, I'm sitting there doing the Super Bowls and stuff, but like, you know, I had heard that rugby was going to be in the Olympics. And then it was kind of like, okay, well, we need to qualify still. And then they go and they qualify. They killed it. You know, the whole world didn't think the U.S. would qualify. And then it was like, okay, this is real. Like, we're really, the U.S. is going. And then we had two more years till the Olympics from when they qualified. I think it was in 2014. And it was like, it was this distant thing that was like pulling at me. Like it's there and now it's getting closer. And it's like there. And then when we qualified, it was like, this is really happening. And it was just so much in my mental view. It's not something I could kick. Like I said earlier, like it pulled out my heart. It wasn't really an option for me to do that. Um, as I allude to in the book is just like, I felt so convicted in, in that, process that I was willing to put my NFL career and future contract in jeopardy because I didn't really care you know I, I just had the Super Bowls were awesome and obviously the money is great but like that was something that I would have trouble sleeping at night knowing I didn't even try to do it and what that experience would have been like or if I could have helped or if I would have even made it just all those thoughts you know and um I just I talk about that in the book too, that it's like you, you grew up your whole life playing this game. You're 27, you're in the athletic prime of your life basically. And, um, and the, the rugby hasn't been in the Olympics for almost a hundred years. I mean, God, have the stars aligned for this, for me. And it's just like, how do you not take action on that? So I had to. Your love of rugby, you know, it, it took you so far in America and then it kind of almost stopped for you. And that's when you actually turned your eyes on football. And I think that's what's quite powerful in the book. You know, a lot of the top Eagles or the guys you're playing are rugby kids. You know, kids in America, which is that this generation is kind of one of the first generations now of guys that started playing rugby in, 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 their, in their youth and yeah. not playing, you know, at college or high school whenever I found it. And a lot of those guys, you know, from Ryan Mattias to Nate Orsberger to a lot of those who got it from their dad are playing top level rugby at the moment. But you kind of, you were obsessed with rugby and you, you chased it to the end and then your road kind of end. And that's when you finally turned the light and looked to football. <sighs> I think about when I first went to a men's sevens camp and I was like 16, 17 years old or something. And you know, I'm this super young kid, but like the average age was like 28. And a lot of these guys, this was like their first experience ever playing rugby before and super athletic, but like they don't know what they're doing. And um, that was kind of my first experience in the men's camp. And then to see how far that's come now when I'm in the men's camp is absolutely insane. We've got kids that have been playing their whole lives and there's none of those. And average age is a lot younger. And the, and the skill level as a, as a group is just way higher. I mean, 
So, and that's just something I've seen in my own, own lifetime from when I was young to what it is now. It's crazy. And when I was playing college ball, I, I played the Junior World Cups. I didn't go to that World Cup, but we went to that Tempe, Arizona camp when I was reading. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In that led up to that camp. That and, one, that, yeah. and I remember you from that because I just remember you were one of the best players at the time and you were so young. I never went about that. And I went and, and tried out and, and yeah. I just was impressed with you. There are a couple other guys that really stood out that actually went on to be Eagles and, mm -hmm. and have successful careers. And, and it was just funny reading that and right. just remembering that Tempe, Arizona and Salty Thompson and, right. and how yeah. big a, a role he played in oh, the he early part of your life. Huge part, huge role. Him and, and Michael Engelbrecht were huge coaches that really set a great foundation for me. Um, but yeah, I went to that camp as a 16 year old thinking like, wow, this will be my first experience like being around really good players, you know? And James Patterson was one that just sticks in my mind because he was just above everyone else. And, you know, I was playing fullback and he was playing outside center. So a lot of times I'd insert outside of him and I'd just try to keep up with him. I was like, yo, this dude's running, right? <laughs> and I'm like, this is how you play the game. This yeah. is the speed. And he'd go off his outside foot, change his angles. And I'd be like, okay. Like I was, I learned a lot from James Patterson. That was a great tournament for me to experience. But ultimately, yeah, I played in the junior world cups, you know, and leading up to college kind of ran that road out and I was a sophomore in college and the junior world cups were over with and you know I have a couple more years of college left and you know I was kind of playing club rugby at Ohio State and it's just like they they were more concerned with the, the after party than um you know the game which I, I get it it's club rugby but like just who I am that just didn't align and I just I felt like it was like me versus the entire other team at times and um you know I just would get really frustrated, like super frustrated. So I think that frustration, just having played some of the best players in the world, right, at the, at the World Cup, um, to come to that and then just kind of the tra trajectory that I was on, playing some good ball, being a good athlete, putting a lot into my work, I was seeing it pay off, and then I just like didn't have anywhere to play, really. Um, so I, I wanted to do some seven stuff, but it's like with college, that's tough. I wanted to play football my senior year in, in high school, chose not to. Um, they went on to win the Division One state championship, which is a big deal in Ohio especially, and uh, that, that was a bitter, bittersweet thing that kind of stuck, stuck in my head. And here I am at Ohio State. Rugby's kind of done. If I want to play pro, I got to go overseas. I got I to gotta pack up and leave my family, everyone I know. I, th there was nothing here for me, so it was like, I, you start to look in other directions. And uh, I felt confident about who I was as an athlete. Um, and it was like, you know what, let's, let's go play football at, at Ohio State, why not, out of, of all places. <laughs> um, and, you know, I backed myself. I, this is one of the last conversations I have with my dad. I talk about that in the book. And I think, uh, you know, that drove me a lot to really make that, make that happen. But, um, yeah, ultimately, man, it was – something I felt like I, I had to I had to try because there wasn't really the future here in the US for me with rugby. So um, and I also knew that I could go try to walk on at Ohio State or play in the NFL and they're like, no, you can't make it here. And then I'd be like, well, I could go right back to rugby. So I, I always had that. Um, but yeah, that was a tough, tough decision, especially to bring to my dad who, who introed me to this game, right? And he loved it as much as I did. He had all this faith in me and, um, but you know, I found out a lot about him in that conversation about how much he loved me because he didn't care. It was about me. And it was, you know, he supported me. You know, I, I just talked about this the other day. Like, 
you know, I was very lucky to sit across the table from someone who's looking at me and I can tell them whatever I want. And he believes in me as more than I probably believe in myself. So to have that confidence in me and something that's a big task, walking on to the football team at Ohio State, no high school, you know, background playing the sport, but he was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's, and, and I was like, well, you know, we'll go try to go to the NFL after that, right? And he was like, yeah, like, let's go. So the, the whole thing for that was just go all in with it. And that's what I did. But like you alluded to, it's, uh, you know, there wasn't the future for me. So that's, you know, you start to look in other directions. I know Alex is dying to ask you about <laughs> what you would do now about transitioning to rugby. But before we go there, I want to mm-hmm. ask about your dad's relation, your relationship with your father and his untimely death. Like you turned the ultimate tragedy mm-hmm. into a triumph and how your dad, your relationship with him just sparked that. Was it that last conversation, his ultimate mm-hmm. faith in you as a person, an athlete that continue to drive you forward. I know you talk about a few dark moments after his death mm-hmm. and a conversation with your mom, but just walk us through that a little bit. I know you don't want to give everything away that's in right. the book, but I think that would just help the listeners understand. Um, yeah, basically had the conversation with him. You know, we would always go to Columbus to work out. We had a dinner together and we had, a, and I said, you know, I'm going to tell him I want to do this uh, during dinner. And like I just said, he backed me on it right away. Um, the biggest part of that was like, hey, if you're going to do this, do it all in. Um, and then that was kind of the last conversation I had with him. And, uh, you know, very quickly you forget about that conversation. Like it's not, that doesn't matter anymore. And, you know, emotionally I was kind of wrecked of just spiritually just broken. You know, my best friend we just talked about, my, my true rock of a foundation uh, isn't there anymore. And no one should have to lose someone that way. Um, you know, it just, it wasn't a good situation. And you start to look in a bunch of different directions and, and go down bad, bad path. And really, it was, it was hard for me to find out what I should do, really, right? And um, in a bad place. But I think my mom saw me after weeks of it. I don't know how long, weeks, a few weeks of me just kind of just lifeless, if you will. Um, She had a ton of strength, um, probably the biggest moment in my life. You know, someone asked me what my favorite part of the book is, and I'd I'd have to say like that moment was probably one of my favorite things, which is funny. You know, I have a whole book about my dad, but my favorite moment is really what my mom did for me. And... um, you know, she mustered up the strength to tell me what I needed to hear, which was, you know, you need to live a life your dad would be proud of. And just watching her fight to get that out, I knew how hard it was for her to say that to her son who's hurt. He just lost everything in his world. And, you know, everything in your mind is like, let, let me let me comfort him. Let me, you know, make him feel better. He's in a bad place, you know. But instead, she did what she had to do, which was, tell me what I needed to hear. You know, you need to live a life he's going to be proud of. And, um, you know, he wouldn't want to see this ruin your whole life, everything he's done for you. And that was like really resonated for me. And when I think about that, that was a big part of me changing my mindset, uh, realizing, you know, myself, I realized, look, I had the best dad in the world. And I was, I had him until I was 19. And yeah, I wish I would have had him longer, but he was like a best friend by the end. And 
you know, how lucky was I to have somebody, you know, like that for that long? There are people who have their parents still alive now who didn't spend as much time as I did with my dad in 19 years, who didn't have the leadership and the high character of a father that I had. Um, I also had friends who, who lost their parents who lost their father figures at 13 years old, like right when you need a father figure in your life, you know? I mean, I had a, another friend whose who's dad just left him. Uh, what, what does that do to your psyche when your superhero just doesn't even want you as a part of your life? So it could have been a lot worse. In my mind, I, I see it that way. It could always be worse. And I just really just was thankful that I had such an amazing person. Um, and I think once I wrapped my mind around, you know, living a life you'd be proud of and, you know, I'm, I'm just blessed to have had him as long as I had him. And I really just stayed on that. Uh, it really helped me move forward. And I was like, kind of something we spoke about earlier was like, you know, for me to get through that, I almost used his mantra, his words, you know, a father's code um, to kind of get me through losing him, which is like crazy, right? And um, that really helped push me push me through to, to come out to the other side. And it's like weird to think about, but his words are so, were so strong with me. And then not only to get over him, but to get into some crazy task and trying to walk onto a football team, right? That no one even thinks you're, what are you doing? Right. But I didn't care. So, uh, ultimately it was a crazy experience, a combination of not only his words and his strength and his code, but, but my mom's big moment of just doing what she had to do uh, you know, when I know a lot of moms that just wouldn't just deal it out like that, but she knew she had to do it and I'll forever be thankful for her for that. It's incredible how you just, the attitude you choose to show in the face of all of these obstacles and continue to fight every single mm -hmm. day, even coming back for rugby, but no, thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> no, I, I just was so blown away in the book by, which is a lot of what you just touched on, but how he like almost completed his job as a dad. Like right, as yeah. much as, you know, you only had him for 19 years, mm -hmm. he was so like upset, like, like you're obsessed with rugby and your sport. He was, you were, and raising you right was one of his obsessions. Absolutely. And in 19 years, he helped prepare you for anything life could throw at you. Absolutely. And, and that's what, like, I was reading that and being like, it's actually his words that were in your head when, right. you, when you are trying to cope and need the coping mechanisms to move past losing, losing him, him and hurting yeah. him. It's actually yeah. him yeah. and how he, he'd raised you and how he'd, from day one, your yeah. whole life and how you've been conditioned was prepared to deal with any adversity life right. could throw you. And I was just blown away. And, and for everyone listening, the book is so worth it. Like it's so worth it from a rugby aspect, from a family story aspect, from a triumph in the face of adversity to a football Patriot fan. Like right. it's got, it, it honestly is a book for everyone and I loved it, but that connection with your dad and, and mm -hmm. the story for me is the book. I appreciate that. That was nice. That was real nice. Nice plug. Um, no, but for real, I, I, I do appreciate that. I sit there and think, I, you know, what you just said, I think about how hard it was for me to fight, you know, with, not necessarily the publishing company, but like the writers that I, I went through, like this is not a book about the moment when I walked out in the Super Bowl and the lights, like it's just not about that. It's it's so much bigger than that. And I've, I feel bad for anyone who would look at that book and think, oh, it's, this is just another sports story because it's just, it's just that ain't it. You know, it's it's a real story about life that we can all relate to.
if we, if we get back kind of to the narrative, we just got to, you know, you decide, you tell your dad your dream. Mm-hmm. You obviously ha- have to lose and move past him, but then you then immerse yourself in the football world and actually mm-hmm. trying to become a football player now, one of the biggest programs. Can you just talk about that, like from finally deciding that dream and then what it was like actually immersing yourself into the, into the deep, as deep a deep end as you can get. Yeah. Um, first thing that comes to mind is, like that was a humbling experience, you know, like I knew, like I had all the confidence in the world. I was one of the youngest, like young, like good uh, rugby players in the world, playing some of the best players in the world. Like we're good athletes too on the world stage. Like I was like, you know, F you guys, like I don't care if you're football players or whatever. Like athletically, I had a lot of confidence. Um, and like we kind of just alluded to, like my superpower was the mental side of it all because of I had this, you know, like nothing will break me type of attitude, but for real, you know, and, um, you know, I, I had those things, but then to like realize the depth of what football was, was kind of like, yo, there's a lot here. Um, I think, like you said, like I played peewee football in, in middle school, like they handed me the ball and I just like ran around everyone. There wasn't like like we're run left or run right. Like it wasn't, there wasn't scheme. Right. So to see what I was coming into, um, humbling, I I got humbled through that process. I had to learn a lot and I just didn't know anything about the game and the cover two man coverage, you know, just blitz, different packages, personnel grouping, situational football. I mean, it was just like overwhelming. And I'm like, I've got two, three years at most to, to make this team and, and like make this happen. How, how am I going to do this? And then not only that, you're competing against a bunch of five-star recruits from all over the country that are the best high school football players. And, you know, not, not to say that, but they're going to push them to play, right? I mean, you bring a five-star recruit in from your high school, he plays well. Okay, bring more five-star recruits from that high school because that high school puts out good ones. You, you don't put a walk-on third-year guy who's never played football in front of them and say, you know, screw you, five-star recruit. We're going to put him, even if he is better. That was something I kind of fought against at the end. I think at the end there, my senior year, I probably should have been playing, but I get it. But ultimately, with this challenge I had in, in grasping this game, this ultimate chess game that football, NFL football is – or just you know college football is too not like the NFL though, um, but the details and and the schemes and all that stuff, I'm like I don't have the time to understand this like like second nature. So it was like what can I do? And it was like special teams. So it was like, you know, tackle the guy with the ball when he kicks it off, run down there and tackle him. And I was like, okay, you know, I can do that, right? I had to learn how to block a little bit. There's no blocking in, in rugby, so that, that took some time. But special teams was something that allowed me to get on the field. You know, I remember one coach saying, you just got to find a way to get on the bus for the away games. You got to give them a reason to dress you so that something happens to somebody, you're, you're going in. And, you know, by the end of it, though, I, I was planning on starting on special teams in every game. But, like, that was my way in. And that wasn't the plan. You know, I thought I should go in and be a starting safety or whatever. But um, the plan, the real plan was walk on at Ohio State, try to get to the NFL, see what happens. And special teams was the door for me and the only one that opened. And I took it and um, just let it rip. And that was kind of my story at Ohio State. You know, I played three defensive snaps at Ohio State my whole career. I got a sack on one of my – I mentioned <laughs> I have to. I can't not say it. Right? I can't not. It's like not possible. But like, uh, 
No, that was that was uh, that was it. So yeah, special teams was the way, and then obviously, you know, come pro day, come draft day, come the Patriots get drafted. Like it's like wow, this is you know, we can talk about that if you want, but this is like actually happening for me. And um, you know, it was just another door that opened. It wasn't a big one, but it, it, you know, six round draft pick getting drafted is huge. That was I never thought that would happen. Um, but I, it was just one more opportunity. So let's make the most of that opportunity and go play out your rookie deal, play pretty well, you know, get another contract. Well, you know, another opportunity. And that's just staying in the moment and trying to take advantage of everything, every opportunity that came my way. Great news, rugby fans. Sevens is back. June 26, 2001, Dignity Health Sports Park, Los Angeles, California. Team USA men's and women's sevens welcome the world for the Quest for Gold sevens. Brought to you by AEG Rugby. Get your tickets at questforgold.usa.rugby. You end up on the Patriots mm -hmm. and Bill Belichick, who's an absolute legendary coach, and I'm just intrigued because you hear a lot of talk about him and how he invests in players and the culture mm -hmm. and the time he puts into the game and the time that you've spent putting into your sport and just what your relationship with him was like and like the culture that he's built at the Patriots. And if there was any sort of like, Rugby culture is a big thing for our sport, mm -hmm. and I just was wondering if there's any sort of crossover that you found similar between the two. It's a good question. Two. It's a good question, and especially like I haven't thought of it that way, but like really, I think there was no better program for me to go into as a rugby player who understands this is a team. I'm humbled, like I'm only a part of the whole thing, as as much like New England was the place for me. Um, there's not a lot of that in the NFL. There's a lot of, you know, me guys. There's a lot of uh, he's getting paid the most, so even if it's not best for us, like, there's just too many hands in it. And because of that, it, it, you get this separation, whereas, you know, Bill was the only hand in New England, which, you know, dictatorship or what, whatever you want to call it, it worked the, it worked the best. And, you know, but it worked the best because he just wanted what was best for the team. And that, that was a huge part of that. And um, because of that, there were, there were no egos. Um, because of that, you know, how hard you worked was what you got. He said it all the time. If you don't like your situation, do something to change it. Work harder to change your situation. Um, no one's going to change it for you. Um, you know, he said that all the time. And I, that's the culture. That's, that is a rugby culture to me. Like, you know, you, in sevens, I think about it all the time. Like, you, you want to score or you want to be involved more or you want the ball more, you got to work harder. Like, <laughs> run without the ball a little yeah. more, right? Um, those types of things. It was a perfect, from a rugby standpoint, to football, Bill's uh, t total culture encompassed that in the best way possible. I didn't realize how much it was until I was in the league for a while, but uh, – I was very lucky to be in, in that type of culture because that's where I'm comfortable, you know. Just we were none of us have egos and um, we're just here to work and, and just try to win as a team and, and better each other every day, just you know, as teammates. And that standard that Bill set was, you know, he walked that. We there weren't favorites, you know. Um, Tom Brady on the team. Tom didn't didn't get treated, you know. Tom got reamed out. 
as much as as much as the next guy. You know, I remember picking him off in an OTA practice, and Bill let him have it. I was like, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, no, he, uh, he. You know, when you got a guy like Tom Brady who comes in and works hard every day, doesn't have an ego at all. Um, you know, and Bill treats him like he treats everyone else. You know, that's that's awesome stuff. I mean, essentially, when your leadership is is just not a bunch of hype, no, no talking. He just does it through his work every day. Um, you build a trust that I, I trust Tom because he's so consistent in what he does every day that I know that's what I'm going to get from him. And that's where you build trust as a team is that we all just going to work hard every day. I can I can trust the guy next to me because I've seen him do it day in and day out. He's a hard, hard dude. He does his job. He's consistent. You know, we all make mistakes, but um, and that's how you build that culture and, and build drove that home. And, and to me, rugby fits right in with that. And that was perfect for me to be there. Very much team first mentality with rugby and especially sevens. Mm -hmm. There's no hiding on that field. And no. you're going to get exposed if you try to play the game by yourself. Right. right. Or just losing one person. You see what it does to a team. Uh, you need everyone and every bit of everything they have to offer. And then you might have a chance, right? <laughs> <laughs> Still, with the lungs burning. Right. So. Well, while we're on the, the Patriots a little bit, what was it like actually approaching Bill with this dream? You know, mm. as, as rugby mm. was announced in the Olympics and as the guy, like, did you speak to him yeah. before? That they when it was announced, or did you wait for them to qualify? No, like, how did it go down? Yeah, I didn't even mention it <laughs> at all. I was just trying to not get yelled at in between games for messing something up. Um, really, what happened was I was coming into another contract, and we had to agree to that. So we kind of, you know, negotiated that. And then at the end of that contract, once we agreed, it was like, okay, Bill, like this is what I want to do. I want to go play rugby in the Olympics. And, you know, I kind of said a brief thing, like, you know, I want to go play. This is something that's important to me. Uh, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I just feel like I have to do it. And I kind of just left it at that, and instantly he was just like, cool, let's do it. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, um, I wasn't expecting that. I thought I might get some pushback. You know, I was ready to have like a little bit of a conversation around that, but he supported me right away. He ended up calling me back like a day later and be like, you know, we might have to put something in the contract. You're not going sailing. <laughs> I just remember why it's just like a weird choice, but yeah, you're not going sailing. We should put something in the contract that said fair. Um, but yeah, the support right away. Um, you know, Bill's as patriotic as anyone I've really ever met. Um, he loves to talk history, He's very patriotic. And I think when I told him, you know, I want to play in the Olympics or try to compete to make a spot to play in the Olympics, that's important to me to, to, as an opportunity to represent our country. And he totally gets that. I go to the Olympics and I make it and, and I'm playing and they stop everything to watch me and they all had their Ebner shirts on. I mean, yeah, I mean, what awesome support. Um, and he set the standard there and everyone fell in line and followed it. Very thankful because I probably would have gone anyway, but I'm glad it, it kept our relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like it would have had to have been like a, hey, you know, I guess I'll see you on the other side of this if I come out healthy and, you know, whatnot. But he could have easily said, no, this football is the only thing that matters, um, you know, and in a way short sighted for him. But I get it. It's his world if he would have said that. Right. But like. I think he's not short-sighted. I think he understands there's more people have other things going on in their lives and how important that was to me. And, uh, 
you know, at the end of it all, not that we always say he's got like a magic glow because he says stuff sometimes before the game and then it happens and you're just like, and it's just the most random thing. And you're just like, how did he know that was going to happen? But like, I don't know if he had his magic glow, but like I came back off of the rugby and I played really well. Like I was one of my best, best football season, you know, and I was in shape and maybe he had his little globe and he knew I was, he said, I, yeah, I trust him. He'll come back and he'll do his thing. So who knows? But yeah, first class. So rugby to NFL with a smooth transition. How about NFL to rugby? Yeah. Not so smooth. <laughs> not so smooth. A few Yaka uh, yards. Yeah. Yakas and uh, just, oh man, I just remember the first three to f- six weeks out here. I was just my legs were just cement, man. I was just like, when are they going to come around? <laughs> yeah, the, the the rugby to football was a piece of cake. Uh, but I hadn't played in, in six years, so it was a while. And when I did play, it was a college tournament, you know. And I knew I had been, you know, in and out of the men's sevens program at a young age. So I knew the fitness levels needed to be up there and I remember them sending me some stuff that they were doing on rowing machines and I was like, and I was, I'm very familiar with the rowing machine as I talk about in the book with my dad, but like, I was like, no way, no way they're doing this. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, they were, they were doing it. <laughs> and I was like, I, I came, I came back, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I was hurting, you know, I, and, and there was nothing to, to get around it other than just living it. You know, and you know how it goes. And if you want to get in shape, you got to get yourself tired and then you got to push through it. That's it. And, you know, I had to do that for a long time. I just remember trying to keep up with the pace of practice and, and not just, you know, not think about beating the guy in front of you, but just catch it and put a good pass away and then follow him. You know, like, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, that was hard for me. Um, but once I came around, I, I it really came around for me, but th- that transition physically was very, very difficult. I think, uh, mentally, um, the first transition, trying to learn football at Ohio State, that was as difficult as a mental task as I've had. And, and luckily, I had special teams to kind of give me some time. Really learned a lot my rookie year in the NFL. But that transition um, from from football to rugby for the Olympics, I, I did have this Patriot football shell around me that was, you know, don't turn the ball over, no mental errors, no penalties. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the, the mantra of – of Bill's like three things, right? Um, so I'm like very robotic. You know, it was not only physically trying to get in shape, but it was this mental, just like you can't play rugby, especially sevens like that. You, it, I, I love to talk about basketball. It's a, uh, you got to be artistic with it and like let it let it hang out a little bit. I was very just, just I don't know what the word is. Just rigid. Rigid. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. Rigid and just. <laughs> catch the ball. Okay. I'm going to plan off my, it just was just no, no artisticness to the whole thing. And then like, once I got that off me, that's when I was like, okay, I remember what I'm doing much more difficult from, you know, Patriots to the Olympics. I mean, the, the fitness and shaking that mental stuff and doing drills that, you know, Mike's talking about, I've never heard of in my life. And they're all like, yeah, it's this one. And I'm just, you know, I could take you through some football drills and, and you're going to feel so stupid because you don't know what the reason we're doing it is. You don't know what you're trying to get done. And once, you know, so I'm, I'm running around in these drills like with my head cut off. But then once I got that, you know, 
it was it was smooth, but yeah, much more difficult transition. How about the the finesse? Did that come back seeing the space and putting your teammates there once you got your legs under you? Definitely wasn't relearning the game. It was kind of like more like why am I restricting myself so much? Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was always like I see the line or uh, you know, just just that that Patriot football was beat into me that just do not turn the ball over. Like, do not turn the ball over. Like, I'm telling you, it's just in my mind like crazy. And I had to just let that stuff go. Like, if I make a mistake, I can figure a way out of it. It's okay. You know, I can stay on my feet and fend a guy if I have to for a second until I get somebody to come save me. But, like, that just initial do not mess this up was just very, like you said, rigid, just catch it. Okay, is this the right decision? I don't know, 50-50, let's just pass it to this guy. <laughs> right, and, and that, that, was, um, that was definitely the hardest thing for me. Uh, you know, it's rugby. So once, you know, if I felt a defender drifting on me, I knew to come back inside on him, or if he was gonna play me super tight, I could get, just ask for a push, just mm-hmm. take me to the outside, those things. I mean, those things are those things. What was the feeling when you saw your name on the Olympic roster? I was juiced. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I, I just wanted to, uh, you know, tell my loved ones that were close to me, you know, like, and that's really it, you know, my, my loved ones and my, my tight circle and, and um, tell them, you know, I made it. Because um, they all knew, you know, he's out there doing something and we'll see what happens. And, uh, but the close ones to me knew how hard I was working every day. You know, I had, I think I talk about that in the book. I call my mom like, if I ever tried to do this again, like tell me no, tell me don't do this again, because uh, there were some tough days, uh, some super grinds that you know I went through, and obviously some mental struggle trying to break through, uh, the physical struggle, just grinding, just hitting your head against the wall every day. Like I'm gonna break through, and just believing in that process. Uh, it was a long grind. You know, we went all over the world. I was fortunate to stay healthy and then fortunate to kind of come into my stride when I needed to. And um, to see my name on that list was like, it was humbling. You know, it was like, this is dope. I, I, I mean, you know, I've worked really hard for this, but, you know, hopefully you, you have your moment, right? Because it is it is awesome, but it's the same time it's like this, I don't want to say burden, but this uh, responsibility that you were selected there's 12 of us and you have a duty to like help us. Right. And like, we're the 12 that need to do everything we possibly can to, to win for everyone that, uh, that was at that camp to, to help, you know, make this team and for, for rugby in the U S. Um, so it, it went from that elation of just feeling really good and wanting to tell your family very, very quickly to, um, Okay, I have a duty. Ticked one box, but you had a job to go do. Exactly. And I can ima- only imagine the flack that you received when that roster got announced. Like, were there a lot of critics out there saying, what's an NFL guy doing? On the a little rugby? bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think that comes from a lot of people that don't know what, what they're talking about, <laughs> uh, to be quite honest. And that's okay. That's what fans do. I'm, I've been used to that coming from the NFL. You know, I'm what's this rugby player doing on the football team? So I can't win, right? <laughs> if, if I worry too much about that stuff, I, I'll never, I won't, I'll never make it. So I, 
it, that, that's one of those things. Like I'm, I'm not worried about other people and what they're saying. And if I worried about that, I would just wouldn't move in life, you know, and, and I'll just let my actions dictate what happens. And, um, you know, those keyboard warriors, uh, <laughs> don't, don't have a lot of space in my mind. They just, there's no room for them by the end of it. And I, I had people reach out to me and say like, I wasn't so sure about you. I thought you were a publicity stunt, blah, blah, blah. But after watching you play, like, you deserve to be there. And that meant a lot. That was took a lot of honesty to say that to someone. Um, but I think that was my goal, like, from a personal standpoint. I didn't really care. It was really about, like, I want, I want the team to do what's best. But when I'm out there, yeah, I want to I wanna show not only do I belong, but I'm here to help us win. Like, this was no doubt this kid should be here. And I, I hope I did that. And, um, you know, it's behind us now. It's all about what we got in front of us. So hopefully uh, – get another another look at it we'll see the olympics arguably the world's biggest stage mm -hmm. internationally the best athletes go to compete that's ultimately why you're there you want to compete against the best yep what was it like rio 2016 maybe compared to a super bowl different but very similar in the sense that like well the olympics is is the pinnacle of, of sport right and the super bowl is the pinnacle of the football world right so in that regard, they're both like, this is the top of the top. But then ultimately, they're super different in the sense that like football's that one day. Like you've got that one day to, to pretty much play uh, three hours and uh, that's it. Whereas, you know, rugby tournaments, we've, we've got multiple day tournaments you got to show up for. And, um, you know, there's this opening ceremony two weeks prior to the, you know, you even being there, you're in a different continent practicing with the team and getting acclimated to the, the food and um all of those things so it's in a, in a way very very different to me as well i wouldn't i wouldn't trade either one um they're both both pretty awesome so. one of the very few people to have been in both from what they tell me the only one to 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 play in olympics as an active player and then and then go on in the same year to win a Super Bowl. How did it feel playing out there? Was were you guys on? Was it like a couple individuals, just a team collective, the vibe? What was um, off? I think we started a bit slow. Um, you know, and I think even with the slow start we had an opportunity to walk out of that first game against Argentina with a win and uh, we just couldn't get it done. Uh, you know, when you're winning with no time left and you, you, you don't walk out of there with a W, that's like gut-wrenching, especially when you look at the rest of the pool play. You know, we got the gold medalists that win the whole thing up next, and we lose like by four or something, a super close game. Um, play them is, you know, really tough. Uh, I think they won in the gold medal match like 45-7 to seven or something ridiculous. So, I mean, no doubt we deserved, in my mind, we – I hate to say deserve because we didn't earn it, but like we were good enough to be there, right? You know, we lose to an Argentina team that was in the semifinals that went to double overtime to go to the gold medal match and they lost and then they just were tanked. So they didn't medal because South Africa um, beat them. But, you know, you look at our pool, like it was legit, like Argentina and, and we had them and, and, and we, we let it slip. I mean, there's really nothing else to say. And, um, Play Fiji Tough, did what we could do against uh, Brazil. Obviously, you know, maybe we score again. Uh, that puts us through. Who knows? You know, there's a bunch of different scenarios. But ultimately, we didn't get it done. I felt we were good enough. Um, you know, it, it sucks because we had the team to do it. But at the end of the day, like, 
it is what it is. Sevens tournaments go that way sometimes. Um, it's, it, it's, it just speaks to, in my opinion, the consistency that the best teams in the world have. Um, a Fiji that is as consistent as they are to be one of the best teams in, in the league and in, in the tournaments. Uh, speaks to how good they are if you're that consistent all the time. They won the gold medal. They were tough. Um, you know, it just it sucks, but uh, can't change it now. So hopefully uh, this next one we get a better shot. It's 2021. The Olympics are <laughs> this summer, right. hopefully. Right, hopefully. And we're, we're going for it. Mm-hmm. Round two. You got the shirt already. What, what's different now? I would say the biggest thing for me that's different this time around is that not not necessarily even different, just that the fact that I don't know that first time I was so convicted and I felt I needed to do it and whatnot. But when I look back at my entire sporting career, like you know, one of the biggest things that bothers me is like when someone comes up to me and they're like, "Yeah, you won the medal in the Olympics, right?" And I'm like, ah, "No, we didn't win a medal." They don't mean to like piss me off with that, right? But they do, <laughs> and and it's like. It's like, no, we didn't, like, I got to, I feel like I got to correct him. Like, no, we didn't win actually. But yeah, I went to the Olympics and we played rugby and whatnot. But that bothers me. It bothers me as a, when I look back at my career is like, I felt we were good enough. It's, it's not like we were, like you said, we, we weren't there to, you know, we're here, like, great. It's over with, like, I, I, we were a good enough team and we know we didn't do it. Um, that bothers me. I think when I look back at everything. So if I have some small glimpse of a chance to maybe right that wrong, maybe go at it again and, and come out with a different outcome. Uh, I feel I feel obligated to. And then, then there's just that whole love of rugby thing. I just love it. I love playing rugby. And, you know, in a way, my career in the NFL is probably lights getting coming. We're at the end of the tunnel here. And, um, you know, I'm like, if I've got a couple more left at most or whatever it's going to be, you know, I gotta, there's not gonna be another Olympics after this probably for me, you know? And um, it's almost one of those things, like if you if you can, like you must. And I feel that with with rugby. I always have and I always will. And kind of alluded to that in the book that like, I will play rugby again in my life to what extent, you know? Um, will that be on the USA team? Will that be a club rugby, an MLR? Who knows, right? Um, but it's just something I'm so drawn to. And if I can do it and I can play at that level and I can't write that wrong of not having, having, uh, had medal, have not medaled, uh, the previous uh, Olympics. If I can make that right, it's like, I got to try. Right. I've done it up to this point in my life. Like, let's go. You talked about on coming back to the Olympics this mm-hmm. year. If the U.S. medal, the catalyst that that brings to growth in America, I feel like 2016 brought a lot of eyeballs on it, but it was brand new in the Olympics. This this is a, an opportunity to really grow the game. And one of the more powerful things I think in your story is that you turned to football because you weren't able um, to go any further in rugby, but mm-hmm. now football has given you the platform to change that dilemma that you found yourself in as a young 20 year old in america that you can get more eyeballs on rugby in america yeah. you can help grow you're a co-owner in the mlr team like you're so entrenched in growing this game you yeah. know 
talk to me a little bit about that and your passion behind it because it oozes out of you and I can't help but just notice it watching you but I just want to hear it from your mouth. When I look back as at being a young kid, I just I was so rugby. I loved rugby. I lived, breathed it. You know, I was with my dad. It was like just life in rugby. Like that's what it was and and I just I want that professionalism and that um you know, pinnacle of the of the sport of rugby to to be a professional league that guys can aspire to to make money as a living in this country playing a sport that I grew up and I loved. Um, you know, we think back to when I was you know young Nate. There's no professional league. You know, there's you know a World Cup team maybe that you know you got to qualify for. There was no Olympics. That that's it, right? So it's like. What, what are you going to do with rugby? And, and um, I just wish that a kid nowadays in 2021, 19-year-old faced with the same decision, um, he's got a lot more to think about. You know, Major League Rugby, that's just been phenomenal. You know, I played in the original NA4s, and, you know, we watched us just trudge through, like, leagues that are trying to start, you know, and it's been tough. Like, this didn't just happen. The MLR didn't just happen. And uh, now it's just been successful. I mean, it's been years of, like, the rugby community grinding through, like, trying to get one off the ground. But we're here, and, and, it's, and it's good. It's legit. Um, I think that's – not only do I have confidence in saying that, but it feels good to say that. Like, it's legit league. Um, I've been in the NFL. Like, I, I see how they operate. I'm, I'm, like you said, co-owner, so I see a little bit more into it. It's legit. Um, and the quality of rugby out there that they're putting out there is, is legit and only getting more legitimate. Um, so all those things uh, make, it, make, it, make it a good league with a lot of potential. And I think a young kid that's – 19 they see an opportunity to play sevens in the olympics um, with a team that's legit and could can win a medal um you know 2016 you know they didn't think the men's team would qualify so or 2014 before for qualification so that was like the biggest surprise in the world so now you got a team that's legit almost finished first in the world on the series um you know players of the world perry um just a really good team you got that avenue. Um, hopefully we can grow the 15th team to a position where it's like, you know, doing some damage in a World Cup is like serious talk. Uh, and then you've got like the MLR, which is a legitimate league that people from all over the world are coming to play in. And, you know, you grow up in, you know, New England, for instance, and um, you play rugby. Uh, there's a New England pro team right there that you get to watch as a young kid. You know, God, that would have been cool to go as a, as a little Nate Ebner, run around with my dad to go to see a pro game. I remember we went to Scotland when I was like 15 or 16 years old together and watching just a club or semi-pro, I don't know what it was, just some game. And it's just like high-level stuff, right? It's just because that's a sport they play there. It's big time. And, and to see that now, a little little kid could go watch the MLR, I mean – it's so awesome. And ultimately, to even be able to have this conversation is awesome because I can speak to a lot of things that I've seen in the growth of this game from when I was, since I've been in it, let alone when I was a little kid, but since I was like 16, 19 years old, the problems that we faced as a, as a rugby community to where we are now um, and what it's been through. And the rugby community is as tight a group as any 
that I've ever been around from a cultural perspective and, and just how we treat each other and just the support and just high character people. And I think when you look at where we are as a nation with, with rugby, I mean, like we've just laid like a really good foundation. We've been through it, you know, we've been through it as a, as a country in this sport, but we've laid some good foundation and, and we're ready to build. We're just going in the right direction. I'm really excited to see it. All right, that is a wrap on this edition of the American Rugby Show. Thank you to everyone for checking in, listening, watching on YouTube. We really appreciate all your support. A reminder to follow us on at the American Rugby Show on Instagram, at the Am Rugby Show on Twitter. Subscribe to us either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. And keep an eye out and keep resharing, reposting, telling all your rugby friends about this content. We had Nate Ebner on the American Rugby Show. It's as big as it gets in America. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.